hello, welcome to the Jump Stem podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest and the very first girl of the podcast who undoubtedly drops the stem is Alison Tia, who received the Intel Foundation Young Scientist Award of $50,000 for her outstanding research into toxic tau protein aggregates, which spread in neurons in the human brain and are associated with neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's. She's also part of the Society for Neuroscience as the Bay Area Chapter's Public Relations Office she is absolutely passionate about promoting scientific discoveries. Allison also tickles the ivories and serves strong on the volleyball court too. Hi, Allison. I'm honored to introduce you to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is a really amazing opportunity. Um, I'm so glad people like you are advancing scientific knowledge for everyone else. Thank you so much, but it couldn't be possible to happen without great minds like you to talk to. <laughs> So you also you. make this possible and you're also an Intel ISF alumni and I'm just gonna dive deep in because your project is so fascinating. So just sure. let's start with how is the propagation of tau protein aggregates linked to nerve cell loss and subsequently neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's, which is a major concern. Absolutely. So um, I guess for maybe for those of um, the audience who are not familiar with neurodegeneration, um, simply put, I like to think of it as like a domino chain effect where when one neuron dies, it causes neurons nearby to die as well. And so one of the proposed mechanisms behind neurodegeneration is something called the propagation of tau. And so this tau protein, like you mentioned before, it's, um, it's a protein that helps the cell maintain structure and provides an intracellular transport network. Um, but when it becomes, when this tau mutates and becomes um, a really sticky protein, it aggregates together, um, forming these really toxic clumps that ultimately kill the cell. But what makes these tau proteins the propagation of tau is that these mutated aggregates are secreted somehow from dying neurons and then uptaken by nearby healthy neurons um, all the way up through the axon and into the cell body. And so once it's inside this new cell body, it will start causing the toxic clumping of other tau proteins in that neuron, which continues a line of neurodegeneration and the progressive nerve loss. So if I understood it correctly, it basically initiates a cascade, which just yes. spreads all over the place. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. So there's no dynamic proof available to track this transmission in neurodegeneration. How did you target the presented problem in your project? Yeah, it's a great question. And so um, when I first started this project in 2017, like you said, there was no dynamic proof. All there was was these staining studies where I can, you know, I can see the tau protein outside of the nerve, and then all of a sudden I can see it inside the neuron, but I really can't trace the whole end-to-end -end process of it being actually uptaken by the neuron. And that's really the problem that I wanted to solve because if we can really see this, the tracking of the neuron or the tau through the neuron, it really lets us understand deeper problems such as the mechanism that tau takes to enter in the cell, and hopefully that can even lead us to block the uh, to block tau's uptake. And so, specifically, I guess, how did I target this dynamic proof? How did I figure out this model? Um, in the summer camp that I took, I learned about something called nanoparticles, and specifically these nanoparticles are really useful for live imaging, um, which is exactly what I wanted to do by tracing um, tau's path 
uptake from the outside of the neuron all the way into the neuron. So by combining, by chemically tagging the tau proteins that I created with these quantum dot tags, I was able to visualize tau's uptake for the very first time um, that, like I said, allows me to identify variables to find the biological mechanism that tau takes to enter in the cell, as well as conduct real-time drug screening tests to allow us to understand and potentially even stop the neurodegeneration process in Alzheimer's disease and other diseases involving this tau protein. That just sounds so cool. So you stain the neurons, you use your own experimental settings to carry out this visualization study. But I also know that you implemented the fluidic chamber system. What was the importance of doing that so? Right. So the microfluidic chamber system um, has been science, but it's actually been only recently. Um, the lab that I worked at uses these a lot. And so my mentor, when I was first started at this project, suggested me check out the system. And so what it is, it's this like it's this tiny little square of, uh, of polymer called PDMS, and it has two chambers. Um, and what's really cool about these chambers is that it allows me to separate the uh, the neuron cell bodies from where I'm going to introduce the tau proteins because the only point of contact between the two chambers are the neurons axons. And so these neurons axons, um, I first grow them in one of the chambers of the microfluidic chamber and I wait 18 weeks as these neuron or not 18 weeks, sorry, 18 days as these neuron axons grow through these tiny tunnels that connect the two chambers um, until it reaches the other chamber where I would introduce the tau. Meaning that if I introduce the tau protein in the not cell body chamber, I wait overnight and I can see the tau proteins inside the cell bodies of the original neuron chamber. I know it's because the neuron axons had actively transported the proteins inside the cell bodies because these axons are the only point of contact between between the, the two chambers of the microfluidic chamber system. I see. So that's how you could also trace the pathway by using live cell optical imaging combined with this biological assay, right? Exactly, yes. That just sounds so fascinating. And I know that you've worked so hard on it and you've also achieved some outstanding findings. So what were those in your project? Right, so my outstanding finding, I guess, um, is not really like a strict conclusion. It's really um, a new beginning that scientists can use to explore more into these tau uh, diseases involving taus called tauopathies. And so what I, I guess the... The biggest finding was that I did develop a system that could model and visualize the neurodegeneration process for the first time um, that scientists can use and propose that these tau proteins are uptaken and trafficked from the neurons axon terminals to the soma cell bodies. And so the videos that I created, the live imaging videos, um, track tau all the way from outside the neuron into the neuron that allows me to find variables such as speed, velocity, time duration of tau's uptake into the neuron, um, which we never could have tracked through just static imaging studies. And these variables, like I mentioned earlier, can help us understand the biological mechanism tau takes to enter in the cell. Um, For a more scientific audience, for example, endocytosis, um, which can narrow down the scope of drugs to trial. And furthermore, the dynamic platform can be used to conduct these drug screening tests um, and understand the effects of the drugs immediately on the neurons in a system that is not directly inside a human brain or an in vitro system. And so ultimately, I, I just created a system that allows us to do these live imaging studies, mechanism studies, drug screening tests, and hopefully allow scientists to understand 
these telepathies even closer. Wow, it's really impressive that you first successfully observed how it's transport in this primary neuron culture and that you could also trace those several imaging criteria or to create a new screening method, I guess, is a milestone yeah. in finding cures for Thank you. Thank you so much. Neurodegenerative diseases. I think it's just so crucial because I know that 5 million people suffer from Alzheimer's, but that number could be as high as 11 million. Even, Actually, it's, it's even it's like even 40 million global, globally. And really unfortunate, really tragic disease. And the shocking thing is that you don't just wake up with nerve cell loss, of course, in a day, but yeah. these conditions are developmental. So you um, have to start screening as early as possible to to get a detection. And that's why it, your research is so groundbreaking because it affects the lives of, as you just said earlier, 40 millions of people globally. So. Thank you so much. Yeah. There's always that, you know, that impact that the scientific research has. And I think that's amazing. That's one of the things I love so much about science. And in regards to impact, how do you see the research evolve in the future? Absolutely. So um, in this research specifically, the system I just created, there's a lot of potential ways that it could go in. One of the biggest ones right now, I think, is in terms of the clinical aspect, doing things called tau immunotherapy, um, which essentially is where you find where you create a protein that can block the tau from coming into the neuron in the first place um, to prevent this neurodegeneration cascade to keep on happening. And so that, I think, is uh, something that we're really looking into, my lab and I are really looking into, um, hopefully, if we can find a drug, if we can find a protein that can stop this neurodegeneration uh, pathway, you know, it'll really, it'll be, it will be groundbreaking. It will be revolutionary. Wow. Um, so to actually create a barrier to, yes, to stop the tau proteins from coming inside. Wow. I'm just so excited to hear the upcoming news because I'm sure there will be. Oh, thank you. That's, that's dreams. That's the hope. The research stems from dreams and you obviously put in the hard work and you've got the dedication to carry on. So there is also uh, a place where you competed this year in regards to this project. And there is yes. undoubtedly a reserved place for Intelisive in the hearts of those who have been part of this enthralling journey. So what are your most cherished memories or fun moments of the week? Wow, there's really too many. This was, so I'm actually not an ISEF alumni. This was my first time at the um, ISEF fair. Um, actually, in for my high school career, this year was my first time at the California State Fair too. So it really was a huge jump for me. Um, I think probably my most cherished memory is just meeting the people. I On judging day, I was lucky I sat next to um, someone who's actually developed into one of my closest friends right now um, from Indiana who's she's doing research regarding um, also cellular biology um, but regarding viruses and how that could be used to treat brain cancer um, mm -hmm. and her name is Sonia she's amazing I love her and shout out to Sonia and yeah shout out to Sonia people, these amazing people who really you know are just equally as passionate as I am in science um, who have the same, you know, problem-solving tendencies. They want to solve the world's biggest questions. Um, meeting people who are equally as passionate as me, getting to play games with them, exchange pins with them, you know, do the student mixer as Krithik talked about in the first episode. <laughs> um, it's crazy. I think that's probably 
one of my happiest moments just being in an environment where everyone is equally as passionate as I am just makes me so much more inspired and want to pursue science even more yes it's such a place to be inspired and be galvanized even more your interest as well and by connected with uh like-minded scientists and yeah just doing fun things together like the mixer event for sure yeah as you just mentioned, this was your first time and what a beautiful manifestation of your diligence uh, that you could walk up on stage and receive that honorable award and because it truly highlights the scientific importance and, and the impact of your research. So what was your initial reaction when you heard your name in the microphone? Oh man, I didn't believe that. I was like, no, there's no way. And my, my teammates from the Silicon Valley group were around me, they were cheering. And it was really like a dream come true. Um, but it's also a really humbling experience in that, you know, there's so many other uh, students who are at this Intel ISAF fair who have done these other groundbreaking projects um, that I'm, I have so much respect for. And it's just crazy um, to be able to even compete among, among everyone and work together, learn together, collaborate, share ideas. Um, overall, this experience was just amazing. Um, walking up to the stage, that was kind of just like the cherry on top. It was, it's really a dream come true. I can't even believe the fact that I went to the fair in the first place. So, yeah, it's, it's a very big honor. And I'm really grateful for the uh, Intel staff, for the Synopsis, which is our local science fair staff, as well as um, the amazing people in my Silicon Valley group who supported me and um, listened to my presentations, gave me feedback, and my parents, of course. Network of support is always needed because there Absolutely. are many people behind you. And it's just so great to hear that, that you received that support that spurred you and uh, motivated tourists to pursue your goals and dreams. Uh, and congratulations this time as well. Thank you so much. Because you mentioned that, it, of course, it's not only about exchanging, of course, the results of your scientific project, but it's so much more than that. So that's why there is a section called getting to know the person beyond the project board. And I'm curious because neurobiology is undoubtedly quintessential, but it's also a challenging field. And, well, if I can get a little bit punny, it can get on the student's nerves. So <laughs> what inspired you to choose this uh, neural pathway? First of all, really great puns. Um, Thanks. <laughs> I think what really inspired me was in my, I remember really clearly in my fifth grade biology class, we learned about the brain, and I searched up on my little Chromebook, why do people dream? Because I just thought that was a really cool question. Um, and I didn't get a definitive answer, so I was wondering, hey, that's pretty cool. Like, this is a lot of the questions that I had been asking had already been answered, but here's a question that I didn't find an answer to immediately. Um, and so that really kind of piqued my interest in neuroscience. And then as I went to middle school, I attended these summer camps. I did my first brain dissection at our local tech museum, um, oh. met with people, learned more about the brain, was really interested. And then in ninth grade, I think we're also going to talk about this a little bit later, but I attended my first um, Society for Neuroscience meeting as a, as a ninth grader. Um, and I got to meet all these equally passionate people who love neuroscience and who are as interested in it as I am. And that really kind of set me off on this journey. The 2017 course I attended that really uh, started the ball rolling on this project was also regarding particularly neuroscience. It was hosted by a lab who um, is in the neuroscience department. 
at Stanford University. And that's, I think that's really where that, that whole love, just meeting people who are equally as passionate as I am, like-minded, um, and finding out that, you know, my questions, that question that I'm asking can't necessarily be answered. I think that was really something amazing mm. that inspired me, yes. Yes, absolutely. And just what you mentioned that it's just so crucial to be exposed to these kind of experiences that you've had at an early age because that just really makes an impact. Just really motivates you to dive deeper into the subjects. You've definitely had the, the hands-on experience because it's been brought forward by such organizations as the Society for Neuroscience, which we're gonna we're gonna touch on later. But since uh, we've been talking about such a complicated subject, what were some of the challenges you faced along the way? Right. So I was thinking about this, and I think, honestly, one of the biggest challenges is that there's still so much that's unknown about the brain. Um, you know, my original question that I asked in fifth grade, why do people dream? Um, how do people dream? It's still really disputed and unanswered today, at least to my knowledge. Um, you know, questions like, how do we make decisions? How do we think? This is still all unanswered. But I think that's also kind of what I touched on earlier, just what just what makes neuroscience so attractive to me because there's so much to explore, so much more to learn about, um, and so just so many more questions that you can ask and figure out. And um, that's probably the biggest challenge just because a lot of the questions I've asked kind of don't have a solid, concrete answer. Um, but... Like I said, I'd love to work to actually give an answer one day and uh, inform the next generation. I think that'd be really cool and really inspirational. I think it's coded in our human nature to go after discoveries and to explore the unknown, but of course it varies individually, how it's translated in each of us. But it's just really inspiring that you keep moving forward and trying to look for the solutions for the unanswered questions because that's how essentially how scientific discoveries are born. For sure. Talking about neurobiology, synapses are also present in your life by being connected with students with whom you share an inspiring passion for neuroscience. I know that you're the Society for Neuroscience Bay Area Chapters Public Relations Officer. So could you share about the goals you guys already met and the aspiration with the organization's um, outreach? Yeah, absolutely. So this last school year, I was the public relations officer, as you mentioned before. Um, and so uh, for those of the audience who might not have heard of this SFN before, it's just the Society for Neuroscience. There's typically an adult chapter, but I'm part of the only youth chapter of SFN in the country who are comprised of these high school students. And so what we do is that we host these monthly meetings around different themes of neuroscience um, and organize monthly events such as these guided brain dissections, guest speakers, mock competitions, and more. And so the essential, the overarching goal of the SFN community is really to teach and share uh, more about this knowledge, this neuroscience, and hopefully inspire others who are looking to learn more or looking to, you know, pursue some research in neuroscience to really be inspired and know that there's a community there who's as equally as interested as they are, um, and hopefully they'll feel comfortable reaching out to you and just discussing about, you know, general news in neuroscience, what they love so much about the brain, etc. Yeah. Um, in terms of the aspirations for our chapter this next year, um, I'm uh, since I'm I was promoted to the president this year. I've 
love to focus with my team more on you know, focusing on community service. Previously, we've been all about spreading knowledge, which is already a really great goal, um, I think. But I'd love to give back to the community more. I think this year we want to implement something called the Neuroscience Fair, which would uh, allow us essentially to target these elementary school students and teach them about um, the basics of the brain, hopefully inspire them to learn more, be interested in um, neuroscience by doing these hands-on activities such as you know teaching them like the structure of a neuron, creating their own neuron, learning about illusions, sensory, uh, sensory systems, etc. And we'd love to do some more volunteer work as well, whether it be volunteering at some of the walks, uh, like mental health walks or uh, this year we did the walk to end Alzheimer's and so there's just these really cool opportunities and I'd love to take our SFN chapter not only from sharing the knowledge but to giving back more to the community um, in these ways. Well first of all congratulations on your promoted position. Thank you, thank you so much. And yeah I've actually Bye. seen the October walk that you were running there and that's just such a cool way to raise awareness because it permeates your daily life, so you don't separate science and everyday living in terms of taking that passion and multiply it by sharing it. So I think that's just an essential way of communicating science. I mean, that the science fair idea is just so creative, and I know that it will inspire a lot of young students, and they will look at back at the science fair, and a few years later, they might tell, oh, that's when I saw neuronal, like I built my own neural network, and that inspired me to move into neurobiology. So I think that's going to be like a light bulb moment for them. That would be crazy. I would, I would be so honored if someone grew up and said, oh, you know, that neuroscience fair I went to that was hosted by the SFN chapter was really a starting point. That'd be a huge honor. Yes, absolutely. I think you uh, happily answered it, but I'm interested, like, what makes you most excited personally about being part of the chapter? So, absolutely. So, um, my chapter, the kind of the, the main the core people include a team of 27 students across 17 schools in the Bay Area. And these are all students who are like me, just love to learn about the brain. Um, we love to share and collaborate these ideas, um, what's going on in the neuroscience field, what our research is about, if we are doing research. Um, but what really makes me so excited is seeing people being other people being excited about learning as well. Um, you know, you spend months planning these events, uh, finding locations, planning these activities, and seeing it actually play out in real life, seeing people enjoy your event, um, especially when they come up afterwards and tell, tell us things that they learned in the event or like what they thought was super interesting, it really makes it all worth it, and it's super rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, I really do love my SFN team so much. I also get called a walking SFN advertisement by some of my friends just because <laughs> I post about it so much and I enjoy the group's dynamic. Um, and so, yeah, that's really what makes me excited. Yeah, I, I would love to hear about more of your engagements and I'll definitely share on the Insta story what you guys do and to raise awareness of your incredible amount of work and, and what you do in the Bay Area. So I'm going to make sure to post it. Thank you so much. That means a lot. We love to get other people to be involved as well. So this is amazing. Thank you. For sure. 
and I know that you pour into the lives of others since you serve as your school's research club peer officer and outreach team leader for their student transcience journal. So in, in terms of those, those engagements, what are the most effective ways of communicating science in your opinion? So I really think it boils down to understanding what the other person wants to learn and tailoring kind of your talk to fit their needs. So I love making new friends and networking. Um, it's typically what the PR outreach officers tend to do. And so this really just comes down to when I want to present to an audience or when I want to tell other people about our club, you know, I want to understand what they're looking for, if our club really fits them. Um, or if, if, you know, this research that I'm doing, if they're, if they're interested in it, if they have valuable feedback to give. Um, and it just really comes down to understanding the other, kind of the other side of the coin, understanding what they want to know. Um, and it's not just about kind of you, your research. It's about sharing it and seeing how best, how your research can really um, affect other people and help other people. Um, just how your science, how your club, anything really. Yes, absolutely. What you mentioned in terms of personalization, I think is just so crucial because we cannot treat um, people or, or students in that way that they are all the same or by following a um, general pattern. So I think that's why it's so important that you highlighted the importance of tailoring that information so that it could hit um, their receptor. <laughs> So you are definitely a girl who dropped a stamp. In terms of public outreach, um, I'm interested, what would your message be to girls who aspire to be a scientist one day? For sure. So I guess my message would be, you know, I'm, maybe you've heard this before, but really you can do anything. Don't let anybody tell you what you can be or what you can't be. Um, and probably most importantly, never lose your voice. Um, it may be intimidating sometimes to walk into a group of unknown uh, scientists um, or unknown people in general and share your opinions, share your voice, your feedback, your concerns. But I think it's really important that you stay true to yourself. Never be afraid of asking these questions. Um, there is really no such questions as stupid questions. And if there is, I guarantee you I've asked probably the most of them. Um, but never ever be afraid to ask questions. I think everyone has something valuable worth sharing and whatever you think definitely has value. Um, don't be afraid to express it. Yes, and stepping outside of your comfort zone, just as you mentioned, and not being afraid of what others might think, but doing it in a way that you preserve your curious nature and you're not afraid to engage in conversations, even though if you don't know the answer, because yeah, honestly, like we don't know the answers to a lot of things, but the only way to grow is just to ask more questions and um, exactly. Be Everyone more has started out from the same place. Everyone has asked these same questions before. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking them. I think that's really important yes. for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And a few decades ago, women were told that they cannot go into science, but due to honorable efforts, such as, of course, Intel, the, the gap is widening. And I think it's, it's so crucial to expose and introduce them to various fields to offer them a wider spectrum of career pursuits to choose from. So how do you see women's role in scientific fields in this day of age? Absolutely. Um, I think, like you mentioned earlier, we really progressed from times where, you know, women weren't even allowed to go to universities to now. We have these women Nobel Prize winners. 
we have women leading their own science labs, leading their own discoveries, and I think that's really amazing. I'm so happy to see more and more girls participating in STEM. Um, actually, what's really interesting, our school conducted a poll a couple years ago to see, um, you know, the the gender divide between um, students in different classes, and in these classes, such as these. Uh, supposedly difficult STEM classes, computer science classes, there are always less girls. But, um, you know, as I as the school has grown, as more girls are going into STEM, I see more of an equal kind of contribution on both sides. Um, but, you know, there's always that, that little gap. But I think that as we work together, as we work harder, um, women will prove, and they already have proved, that they are equally as capable. Um, and, you know, it's just amazing to see more women participate. Um, these clubs such as WISTEM, like Women in STEM, they really promote um, girls participating in scientific fields, and I think that's really support. It's really amazing that we have support groups um, for um, girls who may have been minorities in the past in terms of science. Um, it's just so important to encourage them and just to um, create a, a haven or like a safe platform to experience STEM in, as a whole. I know that you not only serve in scientific outreach, but on the volleyball court too. So what do you love about the game? It's a great question. Um, so what I love so much about volleyball is the teamwork. Uh, actually, I used to swim competitively, but I quit just because I didn't really feel that aspect of teamwork. Um, and so volleyball really... Lets me uh, lets me work with these people. Um, we work as a cohesive unit to kind of reach the same goal to hit the ball over the net. Um, and even like right now, my research oftentimes is very independent, um, and it can get lonely. And so volleyball is a really great way for me to connect with other people, um, talk with my teammates, and feed off of each other's energy. Yes, absolutely. Teamwork is key. I thought about volleyball that is just a more intensified version of, you know, the game, don't let the balloon touch the floor. Yeah, so, hot potato, yes. Or like hot potato, that's right. So you are keeping the team spirit all the while, not letting that ball touch the floor. So speaking of intense games, is there a match that stands out in your mind? Ooh, um, that's tough. <laughs> There's, I think, uh, for me, I think probably the match that stands out most is um, one of our preseason games. We have we played against a local school in our area who is a really, really good volleyball team. Um, and, you know, we got to the end. We were near the end of the game. Both of us were tied um, one, one set to one set. And so on that very last set, only to 15 points our team kind of just let loose we were like you know what what happens happens we let go of our mistakes um and we just played like we were having fun there was no stress and ultimately we won and i think that was an amazing feeling just letting go of the mistakes playing for fun um there was really no stress that day and i think that's probably the match that really stands out the most in my mind yes absolutely because if you are too anxious or you put too much stress on yourself, that's just going to diminish your potential to, to achieve or to win. So the first thing is just to have fun, just as you mentioned. And I think it also applies to science fair. Of course, you want to bring out your best, but you would yeah. miss out on so many cool opportunities if you just stressed over the whole thing. Yeah, yeah bad psychology can really like take a toll on you. It's important to you know take a step back sometimes, relax, breathe in. 
So yes. Yeah, have the self care. <laughs> for yeah. sure. And another area of uh, interest of yours is that you also play the piano, and I saw a video of you playing Chopin. So yeah. what's your favorite piano place to play? Um, so I have many. If I choose one, it would probably be that video that you saw me play, which is Chopin's Fantasy Impromptu, um, just because I love music from the Romantic period, particularly Chopin. Um, and then I guess I sometimes I play piano just for the fun of it. My parents always, my mom sometimes, she's like, Alison, why aren't you practicing your piece? And I'm, out, I'm just like having fun playing uh, instrumentals from movies, for example. Oh, um, really? Recently. Which one? I'm just interested. Which one do you play? Um, just recently, I've been playing Chariots of Fire for fun. I don't know why. I just thought it was a cool piece and it sounded nice. Oh, so my. I, was, I would love to hear that on your YouTube channel. That. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. <laughs> that is so cool. And speaking of movies, what movie can you watch over and over without ever getting tired of? That is another tough, tough question. Uh, there's so many movies I love. And oof, what if I could watch over and over without getting tired of, that would probably be like the, the Kung Fu Panda movies, just because I love Poe, I love Jack Black, and... Oh, I love that movie too. <laughs> I love that movie. And it's great to see like the Chinese culture or the Asian culture being expressed as well um, in that movie. Make sure it's such a wide audience. So I think that's another reason why I love it so much. Absolutely. And in terms of maybe promoting Chinese culture, I know it might sound childish, but I loved, I actually love Mulan. I could watch yes. it over and over again. <laughs> yes, Queen. I love Mulan too. Yeah, she's like like a warrior princess of all yeah. the Disney characters. Yeah. yeah. She was such like a groundbreaker and nonconformist. Very inspirational. She's really, really inspirational, I think. She really took it to the next level. You know, women are equally as capable as men and in her case, if not more. So yeah, that's it's crazy. Yes, absolutely. And I love Mushu. Okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you had a choice to do anything or like go anywhere for an entire day, what would that perfect day constitute up for you? Right. So this question, um, I like this question a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, if I had the chance to do anything, I'd probably, I want to go whale watching. I love marine animals, specifically whales, all things marine pretty much. Um, marine mammals and uh, I, in the morning I'd love to go on like a whale watching tour see if I can spot any blue whales gray whales humpback whales um, maybe some dolphins sea otters as well um, I probably want to go to the movies afterwards with my friends and then at night take a walk through the city um, just experience you know like see the energy of other people the energy of the city I think that that's that would pretty much be the perfect day for me Mm, that just sounds amazing. I would love to see the photos of the whale watching experience. <laughs> and I know that you are really interested in marine biology and just come back from a special trip. Could you expand on that experience? For sure. So this summer I'm actually taking a course called Human Ecology that's offered by our school. And what's really cool about this course is that it's kind of an out-of-classroom course. So uh, we get to go on trips everywhere. Um, I guess the biggest trip we're going to go on is to Alaska. And so 
what the course strives to do is help us understand our human impact on the environment. And so in Alaska, we'll be doing a lot of activities surrounding that um, and understanding, you know, like the, what the impacts of our actions on the environment, um, sustainability, uh, environmentally friendly activities that we can do. Um, and what I did this weekend was go to the, there's a, a Bodega Marine Lab, which is a UC Davis affiliated lab. And we went there this weekend, we got to learn about tide pools, about the ecosystems um, and organisms living uh, in the, the rocky reef ecosystem of the UC Davis um, lab. And we actually went tide pooling really early in the morning, it was like at 5.30ish, um, to collect data about the kinds of animals that live there and draw conclusions and understand, you know, the effects that ocean acidification and global climate change could have on these really delicate ecosystems. And so that was something that I did this weekend that I really loved. And I did get to see a lot of marine mammals, such as seals, that I loved. Oh, that's an amazing experience. So I guess you've observed the little creatures and the rock that were also microbiology-related project um, of that experience? Oh, that's tough. Um, we, they're actually, so the scientists there mentioned there's a lot of opportunities with um, marine biology and microbiology as well as even material sciences. And so I think any project that could, you know, be at the intersection of these um, projects would be amazing. There's the, for example, like the seaweed that we found on the uh, the, the tide pools, they could be used in, to create like plastic, not plastic, but quote-unquote plastic bags that people could use. Um, and I know there's a lot of research going on right now with environmental studies. They're trying to feed kelp to cows, actually, um, oh. so that cows will produce less methane because, of course, methane is a greenhouse gas that's really big in global climate change. And so if kelp could kelp from the ocean could decrease these cows' emissions, um, that would be a really big impact on the environment, a really positive impact, too. So there's a lot of... Um, science projects I think that could come out of just marine biology um, experience that I had. Your summer will be so filled with amazing memories in terms of, of course, gaining like a deeper understanding of um, how to conserve the environment. So that's amazing. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to it as well. Yeah, I'm interested that if you could meet a scientist from any era, who would that be? And what is one question that you would not want to miss asking him, him or her? So if I could meet any scientist, I think it would be Marie Curie. She's been my idol ever since I've learned about her for so long. I think probably, definitely in elementary school, probably like third grade. Um, and she just inspires me so much because she's she is a women scientist and um, she persevered and she sat, she really dedicated her entire life to advancing scientific discovery. Um, and I think the question, there's there's so many questions I want to ask her. Probably the top one is, you know, when did she know, when did she know that she wanted to do science? Um, and secondary question would be, what does she do when she feels frustrated with, you know, maybe some things that have not gone right or some unexpected results or something like that? And how do you bounce back from that? I think these would be two questions that I'd really love to ask. It would be just such an enthralling conversations with the first person and the only woman to win the Nobel Prize twice. So, yes, yeah, it's very just, inspirational. Absolutely, such an idol to look up to. Well, moving from the past 
into the future. <laughs> what are you yes. looking forward to in the coming month? I know that you've got the reservation plan, but otherwise as well. Yeah, so what I'm looking forward to, probably the, the most the most upcoming one is the Alaska trip. I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to learn more um, about you know, Alaskan culture, the history of environmental protection and stuff like that. Um, more, kind of more into the future, I'm really looking forward to conducting our neuroscience fair for SFN um, and meeting with these younger students, seeing if they, if, or hopefully they'll appreciate and enjoy the beauty of neuroscience. Um, and ultimately, you know, going to school, this is going to be my last year of high school. I'm going to be a senior, and I really do want to live this next year with no regrets, um, you know, whether this be hanging out with my friends more, um, taking taking hold of more opportunities, and really just experiencing my last year of high school to the fullest. Yeah, th this is just such a little moment of the school year because you know that it's going to end soon, but you want to feel it with as many memories as possible. So. Exactly. I totally Yeah, understand. I can't believe it's ending. It feels like only last, like only yesterday we were ninth graders just entering high school. So it's it's really crazy. It's Time flies. Yes. And at the end, uh, I prepared a little bit of uh, this or that game section. Um, okay, sounds like a plan. Okay. Pizza or hamburger? Oh, uh, pizza. Would you travel to a desert or uh, would you venture out to the ocean? Ocean, for sure, 100%. <laughs> yes, I had the gut feeling after you um, expanding on your love for marine biology, so yeah. Yes. Um, okay, moving back to a little bit of the food uh, culture. So waffles or pancakes? Uh, pancakes. Pancakes. I once heard that waffles are pancakes only with apps. <laughs> no, that's funny. I've never heard it put that way. That's funny. I like that. Yeah, they hit the gym. Would you go surfing or swimming? That's hard. I've never done surfing, so I probably want to try surfing actually. Oh, really? It's funny. People are like, "Aren't you from California? Don't, doesn't everyone surf in California?" I'm like, "No, not really." <laughs> so, yeah, I'd love to try surfing. An experience to watch the sunset from your surfboard. Yes. Yeah, I've never tried it, but uh, keep me updated how it goes when you do. Sure, of course. Um, and last one, are you a dog or a cat person? Man, I'm both. I, you know what's actually funny? I'm allergic to dogs sometimes. Um, even the hypoallergenic dogs, sometimes I develop a rash, but I love dogs so much that I'll just touch any dog that like comes near me, um, even if I get a really bad rash. Um, so I guess in that way, I would technically be a cat person, but um, I love dogs, so I, I can't answer that. That's That's got to be a both. I totally get it. Like, love for dogs totally surpasses all things. <laughs> Exactly. The closing question I ask from every guest, and you are no exception, of course. What does science mean to you? Man, science, science I think, uh, this might be a cliche answer, but it really does mean everything. I've um, really, a lot of my life has been dedicated so far to science just because I love asking questions, especially why questions, and that's really all, that's really what science is about at the very core, um, and it's what science answers. I think it's also something that's really concrete for me to rely on, just the fact that, you know, I'm collecting the data by myself, I'm analyzing the data by myself, drawing these conclusions, hopefully something that has an impact to the rest of society. I think that's another really amazing thing. Um, more than that, you know, science 
all things like all the developments of the world from from like the very early technologies uh, discovery of fire even that's really all dependent on science um, electricity something that we all rely on so much everything has been science-based and I think to be a part of that is amazing um, and finally just science means collaboration it means sharing ideas um, as a person who loves to network who loves to learn more things and meet new people I think that's at its core science is all about these collaboration attempts and I love that so much about science so it really does mean everything to me Totally. You wrapped it up so well that um, science has the power to convert those question marks into exclamation points. And then what... I like that. I, re I really like that phrase. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just come up with uh, that because I've been inspired by what you've said, that science has really uh, has the power to just let us expand our interests. Of course, it's related to the fact that it permeates like almost every aspect of our living. So we got to do science <laughs> for sure. For sure. And people like you, for example, who are doing these podcasts, who are meeting, who are networking with these people and asking them questions, asking like questions to me, for example, I think that's another, such an inspirational thing. And, you know, your, your mission really does inspire me as well, um, because you're what you're doing, you know, you're collaborating, you're sharing these ideas of other people and you're connecting them together to share to a wider audience. And I think that's really, really amazing. That's an amazing mission. And I really respect, um, it's the podcast idea. I think it's great. So thank you so much for letting me participate. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I just felt like uh, when I participated at ISAP this year, this is also my first, that the conversations we have together, we should not miss them, but to record them and then share them with a wider audience. Because as much as it impacted, the whole experience impacted me, and I know that it impacted you and a lot of others. It should do the same with a wider target. Of for sure so absolutely and, and i know you have a lot of i know you have a lot of fans i am now one of your fans and <laughs> we'll be following and listening to your podcast and just know that you have a lot of support from people like me as well um it's really an honor to get to know so many amazing people from intel isef and congratulations to you as well um i i remember that you won an award um too and so that's that's amazing um and Thank you so much for having me once again. Oh, thank you so much. And it's just been, I feel like, such an impactful conversation. I'm just overjoyed that you were the first STEM girl here, who I think not only pours out into the lives of others in her daily life, but throughout this audio podcast. And I know it's going to, you know, drop the STEM seats in, in, in the lives of others as well. So thank you again and congratulations overall. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. You can find us on Instagram at Drop the Stamp Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and make sure to stay tuned for the next one.